0: You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, we live. We, live. we live. Welcome to the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail, going solo today in what seems like a revolving door of who hosts this show every single day, but we do have. Uh, Nada and Doug, I think, back with us tomorrow. They are busy with their big boy jobs today. So it's just going to be me flying solo. Thanks for sticking with us here again on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Um, And real quickly, speaking of Doug and Nada, you can find them both on Twitter. Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H and Nada at Nada the scribe. And I need to address a tweet that Doug had towards Nada and I yesterday. He was at the theater. You guys saw this. Doug tweets tweets at us and he says, quote, the best theater snack. I don't care what Walker male or not of the scribe group think is what he says. And he's at the Cinnabar Arboretum and in his bowl, in his lap, he has this big bowl of popcorn and Sour Patch Kids mixed within the popcorn. And I remember when he told us about this take, he said, I believe we were talking about the best movie snacks. I forget what we were talking about, but I legitimately thought when he told me that he likes to do this, that he was joking. I thought it was joking, going off of the handle to try to get Nada riled up or something. I thought it was a joke and I just laughed and went along with it probably in a sarcastic way like I usually do, but I thought it was a joke, but no, there in his lap sits a real life bowl of popcorn with Sour Patch Kids mixed all up in it. And I saw a couple of our followers rightfully so chastise him for the decision that he'd made. And there was a couple of other good decisions and a couple of other good suggestions. I think our boy at Panthers underscore Mafia, he suggested Milk Duds on the popcorn, but basically that it's got to be chocolate. I don't mind that at all. I would eat some chocolate on there. And then again, at Sports Despair, he comments on a lot of our stuff. You mix M&Ms with the popcorn, not sour stuff hashtag uncultured savage thank you very much couldn't have said it better myself and the m&ms mixed with the popcorn that would be a lot better and our boy steve bob Basically just tweeted at him and said WTF, <laughs> which is, I don't know if I could say it anywhere, Maybe, maybe that's the best way to say it at Doug, but whatever. Doug, do whatever floats your boat, man, because that was pretty gross to me. I have no words for that take. I thought it was legitimately a joke when we talked about it earlier in the season, but we'll move on and talk about what the Hornets did this weekend. You can check us out as well on Twitter as a whole, Walker Mail at not of the Scribe. Uh, at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and our show you can find on most social media platforms at Locked on Hornets. So the Hornets go one and one over the weekend. Hornets lose an awful game against the Philadelphia 76ers on Friday. I'm sure you've had some chances to kind of cope with that loss. It was a really bad one. Again, 133 to 132. And bad as in the way they lost it. Not necessarily that the Hornets played awful basketball. But the fact that it seemed like the refs kind of took that away from you and Joel Embiid hit a very clutch shot. Problem is he took too many steps to do it or at least switched his pivot foot. And what the NBA has implemented the past, I believe, couple of seasons is that they have now came up with the NBA two-minute report and it goes to show you all of the calls that maybe officials have missed in end-of-game situations. And so that's what's happened here. With the Charlotte Hornets and Philadelphia game. In fact, a couple of missed calls. So the NBA's report said that, quote, NB switches pivot feet during his face-up move on the perimeter, but that the travel was not called And also, the Hornets, on top of that, the Hornets were already frustrated by the free throw situation in the fourth quarter, where Embiid got to the foul line 12 times in the fourth quarter. It seemed like more than that, compared to all of the Hornets just receiving 11 free throws that quarter. You also had the NBA admitting in that report that Kimball Walker got fouled on his bucket, but denied him an and-one opportunity. So the officials blew this game completely for the Charlotte Hornets. The Hornets, it seems like the 76ers get some home cooking in this. And look, I have a hard time always saying that the refs take games away from teams. And there are some instances where the Charlotte Hornets could have played better in the second quarter. You can't score just 17 points. So then you can look at that kind of stuff as well. But the refs played a huge part in how the Charlotte Hornets lost this. Now, it's no good to dwell on it because refs, they make mistakes all the time. I don't I don't love just bashing the refs at the end of these situations. And again, this happens. You see teams get wins taken away from them, or at least the opportunity of wins taken away from them during the course of the NBA season. That's what happens when you have humans instead of robots refing these games. But it's a problem for the Charlotte Hornets, and it's always been a problem to me about these two-minute reports and the fact that what good do they do? I get the NBA trying to try to provide some transparency here, but at the same time, what's going to change? You have a couple of losses now to Philadelphia and then this loss isn't going to get changed into a victory for the Charlotte Hornets. Maybe you can feel a little bit better about okay, I wasn't my eyes weren't deceiving me. There really was a couple of calls missed by these officials and I commend, I guess I guess I commend the NBA for admitting that they did something wrong, but at the same time all we're doing is opening a public bashing Of the officials when nothing's going to change and all you do is shed light on some of the mistakes that these refs made. So if there's nothing going to change from this, then I wouldn't have any problem if the two-minute reports just kind of went away anyway. I guess you can, again, you can see the transparency. I get what they're trying to strive for. But at the same time, nothing gets changed from this. And you also had Borrego's comments about this as well, where James Borrego He was frustrated. He said, quote, I would hope our guys use it as fuel tonight. That was talking about the Detroit game that they had on Sunday. I want them to use it as fuel to go and play with another level of edge. But again, it's frustrating, especially in the last two minutes of regulation, the biggest plays and the biggest moments of an NBA game to have those types of errors. And the NBA acknowledged it. Don't think there's any doubt about it. James Brego frustrated, I'm sure, as well as a lot of other Charlotte Hornets fans. But they do fall to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, obviously, in the news for much bigger things after trading for Jimmy Butler. But we'll get to that in the third segment of today's show. There was another game that was played by the Hornets and a much better game for them as they played the Detroit Pistons. And we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with some of that Hornets and Detroit Pistons recap. And then we'll get on to maybe some other news going around the NBA later on in the show. You're listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, and if you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community for as little as $1 a month you can help us keep making the daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash L-O-H. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. Stick around with more here on the Locked on Hornets podcast. We'll recap the Detroit Pistons game up next. You are listening to the Locked on Hornets podcast. And Doug, don't you have an Eldon Campbell like stuffed animal type thing yes i do i got it at the last regular season home game that they had before they left for new orleans i look i love me some Alden campbell but is that they they were just they were clearing everything out of the house because it was whatever they gave to the fans that night they didn't have to take with them to new orleans get more hornets analysis on locked Welcome back to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Walker Mail here with you. Again, no Doug or Nada here today. They should be back tomorrow. Coming to you live from the Essex home studios on 730 the game ESP in Charlotte. But a big shout out. To the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. So you look at the Charlotte Hornets and Detroit Pistons game and what they were able to accomplish on Sunday. The Hornets, they do get that victory 113-103 to 103 behind the pretty good play from Kemba Walker and Tony Parker. But Tony Parker... He's the guy that has been phenomenal in the early going with the Charlotte Hornets. 24 points. It's the second time he's accumulated over 20 points in a Charlotte Hornets jersey this season. And that's already two more times than he ever did with the Spurs in his last season with that organization. The way that he's been able to help this franchise has been phenomenal because you look at him compared to some of the other backup point guards. Michael Carter-Williams, Ramon Sessions. It's been bad ever since Jeremy Lin left the Charlotte Hornets. So now that you have Tony Parker here, it's been somebody that you're able to send Kimba Walker to the bench and not cringe when you see another number one guy come out there. Or you've seen Kimba and Tony Parker really work well on the floor together. Their offensive uh, offensive efficiency rating is is absolutely through the roof. It's over 125 when both of these guys are on the floor at the same time. You saw both of them on the floor against the Detroit Pistons in closing time, and you got to see Tony Parker pretty much put this game on ice with a wide-open three-pointer, which isn't TP's game, and you saw Kimball Walker embrace him as they would go back to the bench and Detroit would try to figure things out. But that was a huge three-pointer. We know in close games, the Charlotte Hornets don't really do well in those. And the Pistons were starting to at least try to come back. They were down nine. Smith hits, or excuse me, misses a wide open three, which would have brought them within six. But then because of the missed three-pointer, they go down the floor. Tony Parker hits one, and that's able to put him up 12 before they would eventually win by 10. So the Charlotte Hornets, because it wasn't a close game, they were able to come up With a victory, and it's a big one, too, because now you get to see all of the teams that they've beaten. They're not very good. The Charlotte Hornets, they beat the teams they're supposed to, and they lose to the teams they're supposed to. But a couple of the games, a couple of the teams that they have been able to beat this season, twice they've beaten Miami and once against Detroit. So those are the teams that you're going to be battling with, a spot for the probably either one of the six, seven, eight spots in the postseason and you've got uh, at least now you've got the edge on both of those teams so it's a good victory for the hornets to get over the detroit pistons you look at a couple of other guys and what they were able to do malik monk not a great game for him not a great weekend for him for malik monk had 18 minutes in this game against detroit when you add all of his numbers up from the weekend he shot a combined four of 24 from the field and two of 13 from three point range you got to think if he's able to provide much more All four of his field goals were in that Philadelphia game, and if he's able to maybe have a little bit better in that one, maybe it doesn't even come down to a couple of the blown calls from the officials. But Malik Monk, again, just two of 13 from three-point range as well, 0 of 5 from the field against Detroit. So Malik Monk not exactly performing all that well this weekend. Hopefully he can bounce back and be that second-tier scorer. And you saw Malik Monk, probably the most memorable thing from him in this Detroit Pistons game was the dirty move that Blake Griffin put on him. I know Hornets fans ain't happy with Blake Griffin. As you saw him come down the paint, Blake Griffin just standing there and then realizing that he could cause some damage. You see him tense his shoulder up and just check him in the midsection. Malik goes down and he goes down hard. And you could also see Blake Griffin getting frustrated at, be- at the beginning of this game. It seemed like Cody Zeller was able to get in his skin. And then at the end of it, Blake just taking all of his frustration out. Only 10 points. For Blake Griffin, Marvin Williams, I think, did a good job on him. James Borrego talked about how they gave a lot of other guys, gave Blake Griffin a lot of different looks with some other guys coming down on him, maybe digging at the ball, trying to smack it away like some of those guards do when you get a post-up opportunity. Blake seemed to be bothered by that. He seemed to be bothered by the physicality of Cody Zeller. So Blake Griffin not having a good game. It's a big reason why the Hornets were able to win and 10 points from Blake Griffin. 15 points less than his average on the season. They weren't able to stop Andre Drummond, who, by the way, if there's a basketball coming off of the rim, Andre is going to get it. What an absolutely fantastic rebounder that Andre Drummond is. It seemed like he gets every single one that's up for grabs, and he was able to actually get a few more points. 20-20 game from him, so you couldn't stop Andre Drummond, but they did do a good job of stopping, for the most part, Blake Griffin in this game. Some other interesting notes here. How about Frank Kaminsky? First time he's been inactive all season long. Not a surprise when you see that he's not been a part of the rotation. Devontae Graham killing it once again in Greensboro, getting 38 points. That's his G League career high, only playing a couple of games down there with the Swarm, but just doing such a good job that you have to call him up, and he's your extra point guard. And instead of electing for another big guy that can stretch the floor like a Frank Kaminsky, they decide to have him go inactive and in that inactive spot. Devonte Graham, guy that they bring up as a second round pick. So Frank Kaminsky, it's it's an interesting one. You know, you, you wonder. It seems like we've talked about this before. What kind of trade value does he have? If the guy's not getting any minutes whatsoever, inactive. It, it's been a it's been a fall from Frank. I know a lot of fans aren't exactly. Sad to see that Frank doesn't get any minutes, but still, it's, it's interesting to see that it's somebody that Borrego didn't even bother to have suit up for this game. And uh, some other things, Miles Bridges, we we can get mad at Blake Griffin and we can be amazed at what Miles Bridges did in this one. Just the dunk taking off from it seemed like just inside the free throw line. Three of four from the field. Did only miss his only three-pointer that he took. Eight points in this one. Eight rebounds as well. Showed a lot of good energy trying to go after those boards. Miles is doing some more good things, and he's and he got 24 minutes in this game. Only three less than Marvin Williams. He got Uh, significantly more than Billy Hernan Gomez at 13, just for him. And you look at MKG, it's somebody that had a sprained right ankle. He comes out with a boot. It seemed a lot worse than uh, it actually came out to be. It seems like he put a diagnosis on himself to only miss maybe a couple of days. So we'll see what the health is for MKG going forward. But Miles Bridges saw some minutes and he did a good job. For the most part, still struggling defensively, maybe in some team help scenarios, but did a good job yesterday of throwing that one down again, just inside the free throw line. And you saw here Collins. How about those guys? The Hornets broadcast team loving themselves. The nickname of frequent flyer miles. I thought they were going to take Doug's suggestion and go with Sky Miles the whole time, but it seems that one's caught on, and now frequent flyer miles has really been Eric Collins' favorite ever since that game. It was from a Twitter user that tweeted that to Stephanie Reddy, and then she brought it to the broadcast, and Eric Collins not looking back from that one, so you got to use it in that dunk that he had. Just a couple of already insane dunks when you're looking at some of the best dunks in a Hornets uniform, certainly in-game miles bridges probably has a couple of those when you talk about some of the top 10 certainly top 15 i mean miles bridges has given into you already just within 12 games or so of playing so far 13 seven and six and miles gave you all those dunks it's it's insane how high he gets up there but frequent flyer miles contributing in this game as well we'll take a quick break We'll come back with some news coming out this weekend from the Philadelphia 76ers. The Charlotte Hornets, they'll play them again on November 17th. So that'll be the third time that the Philadelphia 76ers and Charlotte Hornets square off already in this young season. But this time, they're going to have a different look to them. They go out, they get Jimmy Butler. We're going to recap that trade as well as how that affects the Eastern Conference playoff race after we take this break here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. <sighs> <laughs> now, Here's the funny part. I was listening to this to prep it for the show, and um, my wife walks in and was like, what are you yeah, listening right to? That's a little scary if, if you don't have the context. If you uh, walk in uh, and you start hearing that, yeah. that's Darth Vader. I didn't have pants on. That didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Hornets podcast. Some news coming out in the NBA this weekend. It actually just became official about an hour ago from this recording. So about 1 p.m. On Monday, Jimmy Butler is officially a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. You saw this come through on, I believe, Saturday morning. Philadelphia and Minnesota came up with a trade. They agreed to a trade. So it would be Jimmy Butler and Justin Patton. Remember the first-round pick by Minnesota from Creighton that they got as a selection from Chicago. So Justin Patton and Jimmy Butler were traded to Philadelphia in exchange for Robert Covington, Dario Saric, Jared Bayless, and a 2022 second-round draft pick. Jimmy Butler now a member of the 76ers for that? Seemed a little light from Philadelphia. Now, I, I think you can look at this from two ways. You look at Philadelphia and the problems that they had. If I were to ask any of you, what is the number one problem with the 76ers? I would imagine most of you would say they can't shoot. You look at what Markel Fultz and Jimmy Butler do out there on the floor together. Offensive efficiency rating that we had heading into that game last week when Fultz and Simmons were on the floor at the same time was 89. Just got awful. But we also know that Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova are pretty missed with that team. A couple of shooters that they got rid of and they didn't really replace them. And so now it's a team that doesn't hit a whole lot of three-pointers. And a couple of guys that you got rid of in order to get Jimmy Butler just so happened to be among the best shooters on the team. Robert Covington shooting a little above 40% from beyond the arc. Dario Sarge certainly has that ability. And you get rid of him to get a Jimmy Butler. I like the trade from Philadelphia. It was a light haul to send towards Minnesota in order to get a top 20, top 15 player. But there are problems. It comes with its risks. Again, you lose some shooting. And the biggest thing of all is it could be a potential rental. Now, I know Woj did tweet out and reported that they are going to work towards a long-term extension. But certainly anything else could happen. So he might just flee and try to go to another team. But let's say that it does work out in the fact that they are able to sign him long-term. But what if the chemistry doesn't work out? Hey, look at these personalities that you have on this team right now. Joel Embiid, <laughs> hey, that's one of the biggest personalities in all of the association. And so now you put him alongside a Jimmy Butler who ran his course with Minnesota, wore out his welcome with a couple of those guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, and it seemed like Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau, who loves Jimmy Butler, the competitive guy that goes out there, gives it his all in practice. all the time, that's a Thibodeau guy. It seems like even maybe Thibodeau got a little tired of Butler because then Butler became a guy that didn't really want to play. He had a quote saying, I shouldn't be playing over 40 minutes because we have like 15 other guys. So it's funny, as soon as he goes to say that, then now he's shipped off. But you you look at how Thibodeau handled this entire situation. It's why I can't stand when teams give one person authority over being the head coach and making some decisions in the front office, like who to trade and who to draft. Because a lot of times you see these head coaches who have that kind of power sacrifice the long-term success. You saw it with Stan Van Gundy with the Detroit Pistons last season, Stan Van Gundy, obviously in a win now, win now situation. So you trade some picks along with Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley in order to get Blake Griffin, who is on a monster deal. And so as soon as they made that trade, you're thinking, Blake Griffin has a monster deal. He's an all-star. He's a name brand. You put him along on alongside Andre Drummond. He's a name brand. He's an all-star. Yet I don't think they made their team any better. And what happens when you have two names like that and your team's not really any better and you traded for him? you're going to get canned. And that's exactly what happened to Stan Van Gundy. So now Tom Thibodeau, turning down a reported offer of four first-round picks from the Houston Rockets in exchange for Jimmy Butler. Turn that one down. Remember the Miami Heat trade offer. The Heat had, I think Josh Richardson Richardson was implemented in that deal. But the Timberwolves decided as soon as they got to the medicals, they tried to get some more from Pat Riley. Pat Riley don't do business like that. He's a basketball mob boss, and he turns them down. And so now Minnesota having to settle for less, even though Thibodeau convinced management, convinced ownership, I should say, that the offers were going to get better and this team was going to get better. So now, along with the Washington Wizards being a complete dumpster fire, considering the talent that they have on that roster, Minnesota was doing the exact same thing, but only in the Western Conference. And so now you have Robert Covington, and Dario Saric. And I'm not really all that high on Dario Saric. Like, he's he's fine. I think he's a fine player. And Robert Covington certainly can help you in those spots, like the one that he had with Philadelphia. I thought he was particularly good in that situation. Great defender. A guy that can knock down shots. Just your, your good 3 and D guy. And so now he's going to get some chances to... Tom Thibodeau is going to get some chances to help him win now but doesn't seem like the smart decision for him. The good news about this and relating it to the Charlotte Hornets is that Jimmy Butler does not go to Miami, so it doesn't hurt the Hornets as far as getting a higher seed. Unless you really think that the Hornets were going to be better than the Philadelphia 76ers this season, I think that's a little far-fetched, but... If Unless you thought that, then maybe it hurts them, but it doesn't hurt them in the fact that Philadelphia was already going to finish above the Charlotte Hornets anyway. So if you're a Hornets fan, you probably like this move and the fact that it doesn't mess with the Hornets trying to get into the playoff picture. Still, to me, the sixth seed looks very attainable, especially with what we talked about earlier in the show. The Hornets are beating all the teams they're supposed to and losing to the teams they're supposed to. Philadelphia being one of those teams where they're supposed to lose them and they have you know, it, it, they're going to be looking different on November 17th when Jimmy Butler comes to town, but they already have two losses to him. So they already have, at least now, the tiebreaker for any kind of situation they would be at the end of the postseason. And I, I don't I would imagine most people did not think the Hornets were going to finish above Philly. So that's the good news as it pertains to the Charlotte Hornets. But now you wonder, just with Jimmy Butler and his personality, how it meshes with guys like Ben Simmons and certainly a Joel Embiid, and does it hinder the growth of a Markel Fultz whose confidence is already shoddy? (laughs) You've seen all those memes on Twitter. There's some truth to that. I'm interested to see how Philadelphia is going to play. I think it was the right move. I think it was was good for Philadelphia. They didn't include a first-round draft pick, which I think is huge in order to get that caliber of a guy, but it does come with its risk that I'm interested in seeing how it all plays out for the Philadelphia 76ers. All right, that'll do it for today's Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for joining us here today. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We've got the Cleveland Cavaliers game. It's the last game of the Charlotte Hornets road trip. Hopefully Doug and Nada will join me once again. Until then, talk to you next time.